This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It is time now for Science with Simi. And you know, this week we've been hearing a lot about some parents who very likely wish that they hadn't made some bad decisions, like allegedly paying people to take their children's college admission tests for them. Yeah, very, very bad idea. Now, as for the rest of us, it may not be that egregious, but I'm sure we've made some bad decisions now and again. So is there a way to prevent ourselves from doing that? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about this week with the help of Jason Tetro, author of The Germ Code and The Germ Files and host of the Super Awesome Science Show podcast on Curious Cast. Hi, Jason. Hello there. So we're talking bad decisions. Can we really stop ourselves from doing this? Well, in order to be able to do that, we got to first off figure out um, whether or not we can identify how we're doing it, right? And at the University of Arizona, um, they've managed to figure out four particular factors that we can look at to try and find out whether or not we can monitor when a person is about to make a bad decision. Um, Now, some of this is going to sound probably familiar, uh, like unequal judging of evidence. Who doesn't do that, right? Um, reliance on previous experiences, uh, that's something none of us do. Uh, bias, <laughs> which is not surprising. Charles, I see you out there. And of course, there's neuronal noise. Now, this is a little bit different. This okay. really is when the brain loses its ability to focus. So you know how you're distracted when you're trying to do something? That's what neuronal noise is. Okay. So just wrote, if we're about to make a bad decision, does that amp up? Yeah. So that's the thing that was really interesting was when they started looking at how they were able to um, discern or, or differentiate between someone who's making a good decision and a bad decision, what they found was that that unequal judging of evidence could be taken over because of the neuronal noise. In other words, as you become more distracted, you start to unequally rely on judgments that are not accurate or based on evidence. And this is the really cool thing, is that when that happened, your pupils dilated. They were actually able to find out how to see it in a person. So when someone is making a bad decision, it's almost like they're opening up their brains with their eyes to let the bad info flow in. It was just unbelievable. And this could theoretically leave us with the opportunity to have a different kind of lie detector test or a different kind of um, you're about to make a bad decision test, unlike Thor, who unfortunately still regrets what he did. (laughs) I like the way you throw these other random references into this. Well, no, but did you not see the new trailer? I mean, none yes. of this would have happened if it wasn't for I know, Thor. I know, okay. We, we're digressing here. We're going to different... We could debate that kind of stuff on another day. <laughs> but talking about this one. So this this is serious for us because we, you know, we may have to make a serious decision like what to do about our health or morally, ethically, we make these decisions. And you're saying there's a lot of other noise back there that helps to influence us. Yeah. And and I mean, just to be serious, we have to realize that there's a lot of noise that does come out, especially when it comes to decisions about our health. Uh, And when that happens, uh, we may end up starting to believe things that, again, are not based on evidence. And this week on the Super Awesome Science Show, we kind of cover that a little by looking at people who focus on that distraction element as opposed to evidence. Uh, We call them quacks. What? 
Yeah, um, back in the 16th century, um, there, there had to be some kind of way to describe these individuals who were using yelling, screaming, juggling acts as opposed to hardcore evidence. And so the Dutch came up with the term quacksalver, which essentially means you talk about cures like a duck. Because honestly, if you look at it from an outside perspective, when you see what these people are doing, they literally look like ducks quacking on a, on a lake. Oh, okay. That's, that's where quackery comes from. Yeah, it, it, it has become an actual term that became part of the lexicon back in the 17th century, and we've just been using it ever since. Uh, now, when you hear about quacks, you, you start thinking about, okay, well, maybe there are some names that are coming up. Maybe there are some TV shows that Oprah used to you know, really yes. support that come up. Uh, and, and yes, there is that because, you know, th these people don't rely on the evidence. They rely on, you know, the show, right? Mm -hmm. And, and unfortunately, there are other names out there who are really, really taking that to the next level. So how are we going to be able to help people to recognize the difference between evidence and a quack? Well, on the show, we end up talking with two people who are incredibly good at being able to do this. Um, our first guest is uh, Jonathan Jerry. He's actually at the university-funded, the only university-funded office for science communication, that's what he tells me, at McGill <laughs> University. Um, and, and he sort of knows exactly how these peddlers uh, of quackery and, and also pseudoscience work and, and also what they promise. Just, just take a listen. They will give you easy answers to complicated questions. And we're coming in with the science, and the science is usually very nuanced. It's very tentative. You know, this is what we know right now, but it could change in a few years. These are animal studies. They're not, they're not great. We can't say that it works in humans. And this kind of, this kind of nuance, these kinds of details uh, are, are a bit of a harder sell. That is so true, isn't it, though, Jason? Because what people want is the easy answer. They want to believe that that green coffee bean extract is going to cure everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you have to drink it the other way as opposed to the normal way. Right? Yeah. So yeah. We, we, yeah. But anyway, moving on. Uh, the, the, the idea, though, is that when you start seeing things that seem a little bit obtuse or perhaps maybe don't make sense, then there's a good likelihood that it's not based on evidence. The problem is, is when you are talking about evidence, it's kind of boring. And as a result, you know, people like Jonathan use uh, comedy and satire. And our next guest, uh, Darren McKee, essentially has just been using longevity. Uh, he's part of a podcast called The Reality Check. And, and they've been, you know, busting myths for over 500 episodes. And about 15 to 20 percent of that is just quackery. And now, thankfully, he's learned a lot about that and has some ideas as to how we might actually be able to um, get past that. Hmm. Just, just listen to what he has to say. As I aged, I learned that you unfortunately can't just listen to people. I kind of wish you could because then it'd be a lot easier, but the more you learn, you realize some people just don't know what they're talking about, <laughs> not because they're intentionally deceptive, just because they may not know themselves. So I've just been exposed to enough people saying things. You're like, well, maybe that's not true. That is so interesting because really I think the internet is part of this problem too, isn't it, Jason? Because everybody can present themselves as an authority of something on the internet. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think that's really the problem is that when you start seeing people who claim to be experts and who are pointing the spotlight on themselves as opposed to the evidence, uh, it makes it very difficult for you to think, hmm, maybe this person is really trying to sell me something that's good. I think the most uh, hilarious one I've seen was someone was actually showing Instagram photos of her going through a um, using those coffee beans in the other oh, way. Oh, boy. And I was just thinking, why are you doing this? And yet this person was getting all sorts of likes, all sorts of reads, all sorts of comments. And you're just thinking, wow. This is the goop thing. This is the goop mentality. This this is exactly what it's all about. And we just need to be able to find ways to, you know, go out there, be entertaining, have a lot of fun and, and, you know, fight, not necessarily fight, but find a way to, to distract away from the quacks distractions, if you will, so that we can bring evidence back. And that's really what the Super Awesome Science Show is all about. And I really hope that people listen to it. Uh, you know, come on to Apple Podcasts, uh, Google it. You can read the so- show notes. And uh, I just I would just love for you to hear this particular show. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Jason. It was a pleasure. Take care. That's Jason Tetro, author of The Germ Code and The Germ Files, and as you heard, host of the Super Awesome Science Show podcast on CuriousCast.